This week on Behind the Message with Daniel and Jennifer, Pastor Austin joins us. Grace is present in this age. And Mike has retinal damage. <laughs> Church family, welcome to Behind the Message. Um, following an amazing outdoor service that we had yesterday. It was awesome. The gathering outdoor, it was fabulous. Weather could not have been better, except for those of you speaking because the sun was directly in your face. But you know, Mike wonderful. got the worst of that. We'll have to give Mike a hard time. Early on. There. Yeah. Early on, it was blinding. Yeah. When I was, th but when I, by the time I was there, the sun was at, I mean, I could see all the way up into oh, the woods. Yeah. Which leads us into our guest. I look up in the woods and there's somebody <laughs> up in the woods. Like, I mean, like they were socially distant. It was Austin. He was Why hiding in the, in the woods. I was not in the woods. I don't really know where that came from, but. <laughs> Tell the truth, Austin. I was actually way up front. I was excited to be there. So, all right. I got in the front. So, a little, 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 Austin's going to join us and talk to us a little bit. But a little fun thing about the service is at the very beginning, so I'm one of the first people there, I set my chair yeah. down front in that lower tier yeah. parking lot, kind of over where the band was sitting. Right. But then no one, no one wanted to sit within a hundred yards of like the stage area. So right. no one's even on that lower tier. And then the band goes up because they're singing. And I had one, just one seat within like no one within a hundred yards. They thought you were contagious or something? Well, I just decided I was not sound? going to go sit there because it was <laughs> so weird. Here's me mind. sitting within a hundred yards. Anyway, so anyway. All of that to yeah. say the service was amazing. It was it awesome. It was beautiful. It was yeah. a sweet time for our whole family. It was. Yeah. It was really sweet. It was good. Uh, speaking of service, okay, I want to let you guys know, beginning this Sunday, new service times, okay? So you still have to RSVP. So when you go online to RSVP, you'll see those service times there. Choose from one of them. Still have our service Saturday night, 630 but then three on Sunday morning. Yeah. So the first one's at eight, then 9.35, then 11.15. Wow. Okay, so Love eight, 9.35, 11.15, Sunday morning. You still have to RSVP. Uh, Paul said this, and I'll say it to you. If you're an early riser, you get up anyway, help us out by coming to that 8 a.m. service. Uh, I can't it, promise you I'm gonna help you out with that. I, I might, I can't promise. I'll encourage other people. <laughs> I'll encourage lots of other people. If we had a midnight service, I would be about it. But I can't do that. I can't do that. I, I don't, I don't, yeah. No. I mean, even when I preach, I might need a sub. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, but 8 a.m., 9.35, 11.15 on Sunday morning. And then, again, we'll still have our Saturday night service at 6.30. RSVP. Excited to have you guys there. Yeah. And Austin. Austin yeah. is here. Austin. Austin right. is here. So, what we wanted to do is Austin's one of those uh, guys on our team who... Man, we love is an incredible gift to our church, but you're a little behind the scenes. And especially Even more so. <laughs> in the last few months. True. So we wanted to get Austin here, let you kind of hear from him, uh, and just remind you, Austin's here. Austin's here. So, so, so uh, all right, so let's just get to know you a little bit. Yeah, Tell us a little sure. bit about your family and just kind of some general background stuff that uh, our people might find yeah. interesting or not know about you. Yeah. I don't know about interesting, but I'll give it a try. Um, my wife and I, Amy, have been married for about 13 years, and uh, a little over 13 years. And we have two boys, uh, Tyler and Jackson, who are about to be 10 and 8. Uh, 10 and 8. Please get that right. Yeah, right. That'd be really bad, right? 10 and 8. Um, and uh, yeah, we moved here in spring of 2016. So we've been here a little over four years. Uh, it'll be five years this coming spring. And uh, we moved from west side of the state. So we're from Memphis mm -hmm. and um, been in East Tennessee for that amount of time. And we love it. 
here. It's, uh, it's very different from West Tennessee, it uh, is but also very pretty. So we're excited to be here. That's awesome. So tell us, kids ministry has changed, obviously, as all ministries across the board have changed. So tell us what's happening in kids ministry yeah. and just kind of your heart behind it now yeah. that the pandemic has changed a few things. Yeah. So I'll go back to March, okay. which is kind of crazy. But to think about that time period, one of the things when everybody else was panicking about lots of different things, and we all were, one of the things that we were not panicked about was how we were going to help our families be discipled in this season. Um, and so I think really what sets Tri-Cities apart from, and really what brought my family here was uh, from any other church that we've seen is the family discipleship plan. And I know I'm supposed to say that, and that's what I get paid to say, but at the same time, going, it's true. Um, but going back to, yeah, but going back to March, I mean, honestly, one of the greatest gifts that we have is the family discipleship plan because we were able to, there was zero interruption of how we disciple families here at the church. I mean, zero. I mean, obviously it's not what we wanted. We wanted to keep going with how we meet for Wednesday night and for Sunday morning. But to know that our families have a resource that's there yeah. weekly, it's not going to stop. It's going to keep going through a pandemic and you, there's, no, there's no break, there's no stopping, um, that has continued on. So all the way from March till even now, and it'll continue on, I mean, our families uh, can disciple their children through the Family Discipleship Plan. So yeah. I just think that's exciting. It so was, It was God preparing beforehand. Absolutely. I mean, there, our team just never wrestled with that. There was no panic. There was no, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? It was just, well, we keep going because yeah. um, we have the FTP. Yeah. Um, obviously, we had to break programming yeah. for, you know, for kids ministry, which is definitely not what we wanted either. Um, so with uh, this season of the fall and um, kids sort of going back to school a little bit, we're building in some, some different types of groups and events for kids. So we have some things happening on Wednesday nights for kids. You can kind of go to our website, uh, tcbchurch.org slash aimthefamily or uh, slash kids and see kind of the schedule that's there for October. I'm going to produce another schedule um, for November. So there's some things happening on Wednesday nights, some things happening on Saturday and Sunday for all kids of all ages in kindergarten through uh, through fifth grade, and of course we have preschool on Sunday morning. So with that, we're starting to kind of look a little bit more normal, just a tad. Um, and really what the, those opportunities are for is really for um, our team get to get to know the kids that are in the church. Our, our, uh, our parents get to know our leaders. Our parents get to know our team, um, our, you know, the kids, uh, to be able to kind of be able to interact with other boys and girls their age. It's really just to provide some interaction, some yeah. opportunities for that to happen. So our goal is that we just kind of keep going down that road and hopefully get back to more consistent um, time with our leaders each week yeah. is the goal. So oh, it's, been, it's been sweet. My, my little girls have are loving now the expectation and excitement of when they get to you know jump back into a few things just here and there. They're loving hearing from their leaders. Yeah. You know, um, their grade leaders are sending letters and they're leaving voice messages and they're talking to them mm. on the phone and um, you know they have little activities that they can do yeah. and it, that's just been a huge blessing. The the passion that our student our kids workers and student workers have to just continue on in their areas of service to our family is great. Yeah. It's I just great. want to remind you guys too, and I, I'm speaking for you, but Austin is accessible to you. Mm -hmm. So if you're there as a dad and a mom in this season trying to figure out whether that's using the family discipleship plan or a different plan that's coming alongside of your kids and discipling them, reach out to Austin. He is a great resource for you and he's accessible. He'd want to hear from you. So again, you can email him through the uh, 
church website or whatever and just get in touch with him. But let him walk alongside of you, help however you can. And we're really glad you're here, but we're really glad Amy's here. So <laughs> I uh, I'll give a plug. Amy is one of our just one of our great teachers uh-huh. we have at Tri-Cities Baptist Church. And so uh, in, in a season where we have our study groups, she always does an incredible job teaching her ladies and doing some things. And she right now, even helping out Wes and the survey videos that are going on. And so if you haven't checked out those survey videos, they're a great resource resource for us in this mm-hmm. season. Yeah. So, wait yeah. All right, listen, we do this thing each week. I'm going to put you on the spot, All right. okay? Uh, we do this thing called What Got You? And it's kind of a lead-in to uh, the sermon uh, review. All right, so we're outside. There's helicopters and birds and all kinds <laughs> of crazy things going on. But, man, we're there. What got you from Sunday? What was kind of one of your big takeaways? So this is really not mm, spiritual necessarily. So I don't know if I can say that right. Is that wrong? Go for it. Okay, I'm going to go for it. I always say edifying spiritual things. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> of course. Uh, honestly, like I'm, I'm not just saying this because I'm the kids' pastor, but I love to be surrounded by young families and kids in worship. I love it. I, I think, um, honestly, and I'm not, it, it takes me back to, I think, how church has probably always existed. And I'm not advocating that we, you know, have kids, you know, preschoolers run around every single Sunday. Like, I, I, you know, I, we, I love our preschool department, and we're excited to have preschoolers every single week. So I don't want to hear that. I don't want you to hear that. But I do love the fact when we say all together, that we're all together. That when there's a baby crying, or and you guys may who preach may disagree, but um, when there's kids interacting out, out there, I see the church, mm-hmm. and I think it's a it's a it's a thing of beauty mm-hmm. to be able to see that um, for me personally, um, but also just as a member of the body, like just to see this is our body yeah. that, and that's another reason why our families here is because we see we see that as the heartbeat of Tri Cities mm-hmm. that that children are a part of the body. They're not meant to just be over here until they get of age. Um, And so that was something that, you know, again, just every once in a while, just to really have everybody in the same room, even though it was outside, Mm -hmm. I think was so encouraging. And for different different seasons of life, um, for different generations to be represented and to see that as well, I think so encouraging to my heart as a kid's pastor. And I, and I really mean that. Like yeah. that, that was really, that's my one, like that got me yesterday um, to where I told parents, man, I'm so thankful that you have your kids here today. Yeah. That's sweet. That's what sweet. about you? What got you? Um, I think what got me was um, when you guys were preaching, I think it was you, on Titus 2, um, well, you did on Titus 2, but on verse 11 where um, you talked about the uh, grace of God has appeared. No, it was Mike. The grace of God has appeared. And he said that grace is a person. And then he went on to say, and now grace, that same grace is a people. It shows up through. And so you just talking about the body of Christ that way was, was along those same lines that, that the grace that appeared as a person to bring salvation, that same grace is now on display to the world. And we adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. And um, that was really powerful, especially sitting outside with so many of our church family um, all in one place for the first time in a long time, just to, just to say that that's us. We are, we are a picture of grace to the world. That was really powerful for me. Yeah, that's good. What about you? Um, I, I was just good for a church to be together. I'm with so Austin. That sweet. was a sweet thing. There, there are so many things, I think, um, in it, but it's that grace that mm-hmm. has appeared. And you talk about the person of Jesus capturing that grace. Mm-hmm. And it's a mind-bending truth, but 
Jesus is fully man, but he's also fully mm-hmm. God. And so wrapped up in the flesh, if that makes mm-hmm. sense of Jesus, is even more than a person. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, the gospel is so huge. Mm-hmm. It is the revelation of who God is. Uh, and he, the person of Jesus, is a perfect revelation of mm-hmm. that in human flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a representation of even more. Mm-hmm. And that, um, that kind of captured in uh, abroad these things that we talked mm-hmm. about that, that are made known to us, mm-hmm. that has appeared to mm-hmm. us. What a blessing. Yeah. And we don't deserve that. Yeah. And so it's a good thing. Yeah, and a quick plug, too, for our Bible reading plan as we move into Hebrews. So this morning, Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, couldn't get out of from this morning, which ties exactly into that. Um, that in these days, he has appeared. And it was, it was powerful. Yeah, it was a great time. Sweet time. All right. So it's, it, it, here we go. No, Sermon no, no, no. I get to do it because you... Because you preached, too, so I get to introduce you and Mike. Okay. Let me do it. Uh, let me, part one, part two. You ready? Okay. Austin, get out of here. <laughs> That's pretty good. Okay. Part two. Okay. So, and part two is Daniel and Mike, come on down for the sermon recap. I love it. I love it. Way to go. All right, so sermon review. Let's talk about where we were yesterday. What in Titus. The world are you doing? So you know why I'm wearing these? Because I think I may have retinal damage <laughs> yesterday from the blinding sun, but it was worth it. Praise Jesus. Yesterday That's was right. awesome. We will take I'll gladly do awesome. it again. Uh, super day. Loved it. Loved Titus. Loved sharing together. It kind of tag team preaching. That exactly. was a cool thing. And somehow I think it kind of worked together. Yeah. You know, part A, part B, all that. So Titus, uh, Paul's writing to. Uh, young apprentice in the faith, young pastor leader uh, who has a really tough job of appointing leaders on this island of Crete. And evidently Crete has some problems as a culture and there's some empty talkers and deceivers and a lot of hypocritical lives there, if you will. And then so Paul calls out to Titus uh, talking about the leaders that he appoints and also the calling of the people in the churches, if you will, Uh, just that they're to live differently, speak differently, their lives are to look differently. And that would just be a nice moralistic message, except Paul says, here's the power that allows you to live differently. And that's always the difference between the gospel and moralism. The Bible doesn't call us to do good, try harder, be better. It says there is a power, and that's the power of the gospel. And then, so he gets right into it, chapter 2, verse 11. He says, this different way of living is possible. Why? For the grace of God has appeared. And it's just a beautiful passage. I just love this passage in Titus. Seems to be, or we know he's referring to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who is the most clear, most vivid illustration of grace. That is this huge picture of who God is, what God has done in all of redemptive history. So grace is not some, you know, mystical ooze that God throws on us. You know, you need some great, well, grace is... God's redemptive activity, unmerited, undeserved, most clearly we see that in the person of Christ. So the grace of God has appeared. And what does the grace do? Well, it brings salvation. brings salvation to those who believe, to all men. But grace instructs us. Uh, that word instruct is the, it's a parental word. As a parent instructs a child and watches that child grow toward maturity. So that really gets at so many things you could chase there, that the same grace that saves is the same grace that sanctifies and will one day glorify. And just to be real clear, you don't get one without the other. 
So the idea that, yeah, grace has transformed me, but my life is no different is a hypocritical reality. That can't be the case. Same grace that saves is the same grace that trains and instructs, and we're changed. So he says that he instructs us to deny ungodliness, worldly desires, to live sensibly, righteously, godly in this present age, looking for. Just the beautiful realities of what grace does. We, we deny some things. We put some things off. We're dead to some things in the past. We live towards some things that we have now power. By the Spirit of Jesus living in us, we live sensibly, self-control. We live righteously, righteous living in every area of our lives. We live godly, our relationship to God. So we, we deny some things, we live differently, but our hope is set on who Christ is and what Christ is going to do. He's going to return. He's going to make everything right. The blessed hope of the return of the glorious Lord Jesus. And then just beautiful gospel language that he's redeemed us from every lawless deed for himself, for himself, a people zealous for good deeds. And then, so you see this grace of God manifested in the people of God. Our lives are a picture of what grace does and can do. And then Daniel took the, the next half of Titus and talks about not only the manner of our lives, but the message of our lives is different. These things we speak. I, lo I really loved how you did that. These things, all that is wrapped up in the good news and the message of grace and the gospel that's so vast and broad, these things mm -hmm. we speak. Uh, these things we rebuke and encourage others with these things. And also these things, I, I like the word you used, you say we, we represent, which is a good reality that we represent these things. We speak on behalf of God. We are ambassadors. And you even used a word, I think yesterday, at royal, we're about royal business, which was a takeaway for me. Mm -hmm. And this is royal, kingly stuff that we're dealing with as the people of God. So, again, just a beautiful picture of the grace of God, what it has done, what it is doing, what it will do, and all that is ultimately a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, and now Him in us, the people of God. So, That's good. That's good. It was really good. So to talk about it a little bit with both of you all sitting here. Here we are. Um, yeah, quick question. So um, your big idea number two. Um, which, if you go back, big idea number two was by, was that by Grace We Live? By so, Grace We Live. Yeah, yeah. so um, <clears throat> you, you talked about a, a little bit just now how the grace that saves us is the same grace that sanctifies us. And mm -hmm. ex expound on that just a little bit more. So for people, like you, you just said, people who say, well, I was saved, you know, by grace I was saved, but yet nothing is really changing in their lives and you just said it pretty much, but how, how does grace oppose that kind mm -hmm. of a thought process? How mm -hmm. does grace stand against um, an unchanged life, someone living an unchanged life? You gave a great definition of sensible in that too that goes with it. it the self-control yeah. idea. Yeah. Yeah. That was really good. That was good. So I'll just try to be as concise and it's, it's neat. For the last five or six weeks, if you've paid attention, you've heard a little bit of a, a back drum beat that's been intentional of transformation. Mm -hmm. That yeah. the gospel of Christ, who he is, what he's done, when believed, mm -hmm. is transformational. Yeah. And man, we cannot lose sight of that. Otherwise, we get into the trap of preaching moralism. And again, you, you hear so much of that. It's not moralism. It's not self-improvement. It's not just something I cognitively, oh, you know what, I agree with that. I think I'll be a Christian today. Mm -hmm. The gospel is transformational of every area of our lives. If it's not, it's not the gospel. Mm. 
And the way the Bible pictures that, it's the same as a death and a resurrection. As transformational as that is, Mm -hmm. same for us. We were dead. We were dead in sins and trespasses, dead to God. Mm -hmm. We have now been raised to walk, Romans 6, in the newness of life. And the idea of newness is a new quality of life. It is a transformationally different quality. Therefore, as as Paul says here, I have different desires. Mm -hmm. I now deny, I have made a clean break with worldly desires. Doesn't mean they don't still have influence, Mm -hmm. but I'm not enslaved to them. So that idea of worldly desires and sensibility go hand in hand there. What am I yielding to? Mm -hmm. I was a slave to worldly desires in my flesh. Not anymore. Mm -hmm. They still have sway because of my flesh. Now because of the Spirit, who that same idea of we live sensibly is the idea of self-control. It's the same idea as Galatians chapter 5. A fruit of the Spirit Mm -hmm. is self-control. Same idea. So I'm now under the control of the Spirit of Jesus within me. Mm I don't live to the whims of my flesh anymore. Thank goodness. I've been transformed. Also transforms how I relate to other people. Love. Others are first, etc. All that. And then my relationship to God is just fundamentally different. I was an enemy. I was an enemy under his wrath. Now I am a son. And I relate to him as a son or a daughter. In the family of God. Filled by his spirit. Redeemed for his glory. So fundamentally, my life is completely different. That is a reality, but it's also a process that we're all going through. So that's why the word instruct is just a gloriously inspired word. I'm being taught. I'm learning who I am. I'm learning how to live that out every day. The Spirit of God, His discipline, His work, the community of believers, encouraging, challenging, rebuking, all of that is part of putting off who I was and putting on Christ, Romans 13, 14. I make no provision for the flesh. I put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a practical word picture of of who I am. So, yeah, I hope that helps. It's transformational. Bottom line, transformational. And against the the dark cultural background right now of, and during the time of Paul and Titus as well, but what the world is walking through worldwide right now, what the United States is walking through worldwide right now, to have that drumbeat of transformation placed before our church is an absolute blessing that we should be, we should always be living and responding differently, but um, man, the world needs to see us adorning the gospel of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. right now and um, walking in wisdom, but walking um, differently, walking differently by the grace of God. Yeah, so that was, yeah, yeah, that was a good word. That was a good word. Yeah, Yeah. as we look into like the mailbox, so, Question. So the question came in back to the fifth big ideas uh, where we talked about we encourage, we rebuke, and then builds into uh, with all authority is kind of a descriptive there. And it asks, it says we talked about misplacing authority. What does that mean? So what happens Sunday is in the the small amount of time we have, we're just kind of laying some of those things out. And Titus and the letters to Timothy are pastoral epistles. And they're really talking about the authority at which to proclaim the word of God. And I gave you a few of those passages to go back to see that. So I gave you a couple of passages in Timothy where Paul's writing to him uh, about the authority to preach the word and what that looks like. And I even took all the way back to the Great Commission and used Jesus's words about authority. And the reason that's such an incredible point 
When we are told to speak these things mm -hmm. and to speak them boldly, to charge, to command someone, mm -hmm. I mean, that's really the term. Mm -hmm. I mean, it gets softened in the translation, but the idea there is you command them, not to your preferences, but mm -hmm. to the absolutes of who God is, mm -hmm. the word of God. You command these things to them, you charge them. Mm -hmm. And when they're outside of those things, you correct them, you admonish them, you try to get them back in step with that truth. Well, that assumes something. It assumes you have truth mm -hmm. and they don't. And that's a hard thing for us in our culture because that assumes a level of authority. Who are you to command something of me? Oh, that's and just not a hard thing. That's an offensive thing that's in right. our culture. That's yeah. absolutely correct. Yeah. And so what Paul is saying, it's the same thing that's there then as it is today. Paul's acknowledging that their authority is in Christ Jesus, mm -hmm. who is truly the king, and you are about his business. Right. You're about that royal business. And so we tend to misplace authority. We do it in all kinds of subtle ways. We would acknowledge that Jesus has authority, I think most of us as Jesus followers, in the same way the people in the book of Judges would have acknowledged Yahweh is their God. But they compromised, mm -hmm. and they compromised. Mm -hmm. And that compromise led to false idols and all kinds of different things. But if you would ever ask them, who's your God? They'll say, well, Yahweh mm -hmm. is the God. He has well, what's that thing? Oh, that's the thing that helps it rain. Mm -hmm. Well, who has the authority to help make it rain? Mm -hmm. And the disconnect was just lost on them. It was a blind spot back to mm -hmm. a few weeks ago when we talked about that. So what's happening now is this subtle thing to shift authority. So for example, we like to give authority to what we feel as if our feelings is true. So you'll hear people say, um, well, you know, I, I know it's truth because I feel it. It doesn't matter. You don't feel truth. You know truth. It is as proclaimed. You'll, uh, you'll see people anchor truth based on experience uh, or rationale. But, and you'll notice all these things are good things, but they have a place. So, for example, we'll say something like, um, you know, well, you don't know what it's like to be me. And you can't then give me advice. You can't speak to me boldly because you've never walked in my shoes. What you're saying is my experience has authority. And unless you have my experience, you can't speak to me. Mm -hmm. um, that's a block. Mm -hmm. But if in that situation, I'm only speaking from my experience, yeah. that's true. That's true. That's absolutely correct. Because yeah. that's the, uh, well, your opinion is no better than right. mine. That's a cultural mantra. That's right. That's, that's true. true. Yeah. That's right. My experience is no better than yours. Yeah. But I didn't mean to interrupt you. But no. if I'm speaking from another authority that goes way beyond my experience, that's right. then that's a game changer. Yeah. If you're speaking your preference, that's absolutely true. Right. Yeah. But if you're speaking the principles of God's word, that's not true because right. you're speaking his authority. Right. And Paul here says that is the place of authority. And it all rests there. And you are his representative. Mm -hmm. So speak boldly. Go with all authority. Mm -hmm. You don't have some. You're not on No, you are an ambassador of the God, the one true God, speak for him. And so it's not just something that's anchored into emotion or experience or all these other things that we want to build up. The authority that changes lives 
is in Christ mm -hmm. these things right. that represent him that you then speak. Yeah. And we kind of talk ourselves out of that by subtly in compromise with in our blind spots, mm -hmm. giving authority to all these other things. Mm -hmm. And the list is long, and that's what we mean. And so that's a misplaced authority. And if you really are, will interact with some other people and open up yourself to uh, some really solid fellowship, those will be exposed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just a real quick example on that. I think if we understand the word authority, the, the the root word of the word authority is author, meaning what is the origin of it? Mm -hmm. To your point exactly. Mm -hmm. If the origin of what I'm saying is my preference, my emotions, my feeling, my experience, it's no better than anybody else's mm -hmm. <laughs> because everybody has one. Mm -hmm. But if the origin of it is the mouth of God, mm -hmm. the creator of the universe, then there is authority in that because he spoke it. Mm -hmm. Same idea our little girls will be saying something like Malia will say to Maya, oh, you better go clean your room. And the idea is, well, who, who told me to? Mom said to do it. Well, that's a game changer because the authorities said something beyond ourselves. The reality is these things spoken by God is where our authority comes from. And that's why that last statement is so crucial when he says, let no one disregard you. Yeah, love the, that. The point is, and I love that, that, that charge at the end, no one is outside of that truth or that authority. And so for you or for me as Christ followers, you speak these things and no one in your presence should escape them. Yeah. No one. Uh, you go with all authority and no one should escape your message. Yeah. And that's the implications of that gospel. And so it was a great week, man. I, I loved it. I thought it was a great time in the Word, great time with our family. Loved it. It was uh, really thankful for our team, the guys behind the oh, scenes. Great. Paul did a great job just acknowledging them. But yeah. that's a lot of work to put that on. Super thankful yeah. for them. Just huge, huge win for our church. Yeah. Don't forget, this Sunday, uh, new times for Sunday. Again, Saturday service still at 630 three services there on Sunday morning. You can RSVP at tcbchurch.org. Uh, but man, we're looking forward to kind of getting back in. I'm already excited to worship again. It was just so much fun. It's only Monday, but I'm four pumped. Times. I'm ready to go. Four times. So four times. Let's do it. Let's do it. Close us in prayer. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. So I'm going to just take a minute to read scripture and pray scripture over us as a church family. And I'm going to do, um, I'm going to read out of Titus chapter two that we were just in this weekend, verses 11 through 13. Um, so let me pray for us, church. Father, I thank you that we as believers gather in newness and gather as transformed new creatures that are brought together miraculously, and we praise you um, for the grace that has appeared um, that made that possible. Lord, we praise you for bringing salvation to all men, for instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present today, this very day, age. And Lord, we look for the blessed hope in the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Father, I praise you for our church. Um, Lord, and we look forward expectantly to gathering together again. And Lord, we look for the blessed hope of the appearing of the glory of you, our great God and Savior. And we love you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.